I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, writers. Welcome to Free MFA, my 15-minute podcast about writing. And today... I feel like giving you a broad array of gems plucked from various great books about writing that have had a big impact on me. I used to love reading books about writing as a way of getting ideas about the craft of writing. I was obsessed with learning how to write well, and I'd read anyone who I thought could help me. Put aside whatever you think about Ayn Rand's politics, because she wrote two great books about writing that have nothing to do with politics, The Art of Fiction and The Art of Nonfiction, both really smart books. On the second page of The Art of Nonfiction, she writes, What you need for nonfiction writing is an orderly method of thinking. Writing is literally only the skill of putting down on paper a clear thought in clear terms. Everything else, such as drama and jazziness, is merely trimmings. I once said that the three most important elements of fiction are plot, plot, and plot. The equivalent in nonfiction is clarity, clarity, and clarity. Amen to that. This game isn't about style and impressing people with your ability to write. It's about delivering information to them in a crystal clear way so that they can understand the story you're telling or the argument you're making. This is much harder than it sounds because you need to make hundreds or thousands of different minds that come from different backgrounds understand you. A smart person once said, it's not enough to write to be understood. You must make sure that you're not misunderstood. That's a higher standard. Part of how you get there is by seeing your writing with an external eye, seeing it the way another person would. I'll try to inhabit the mind of another person and hear the words moving through that person's mind to try to see if I'm making sense. I try to think about what does another person know or not know so I can think about what do I need to explain or not explain. I don't want the reader to be confused because that means I'm failing at my job as a writer or as a tour guide through the ideas I'm trying to present. A writer must learn to see their work through the audience's point of view so you can make sure it's all clear to them. Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird, is a classic that all writers should read. On page 45, on the subject of character, she writes about how we should see the entire life of our characters. She writes, one of the things you start to discover as you start out is what each person's acre looks like. What is the person growing and what sort of shape is the land in? This knowledge may not show up per se in what you write, but the point is that you need to find out as much as possible about the interior life of the people you are working with. Now, you also want to ask yourself how they stand, what they carry in their pockets or purses, what happens in their faces and to their posture when they are thinking or bored or afraid. Whom would they have voted for last time? Why should we care about them anyway? What would be the first thing they stopped doing if they found out they had six months to live? Would they start smoking again? Would they keep flossing? I love that. It's just a great batch of questions that really help you get deep into the lives of your characters and really understand them. And yeah, 
A lot of information like that won't make it into the text, but if you know that stuff, it'll help you make all sorts of decisions about how your characters talk, what sorts of words they use, and what decisions they will make. It helps them be autonomous and authentic and real. When you know all that stuff, it helps the characters be more real, and the audience will feel that stuff. Continuing with the subject of character, because it's at the core of what writers create, Stephen King gives a lot of great advice in his book on writing. It's a great book. And even if you don't care for his writing, this book is of value to you as a writer. King says, I want to put a group of characters in some sort of predicament and then watch them try to work themselves free. My job isn't to help them work their way free or manipulate them to safety. Those are jobs which require the noisy jackhammer of plot but to watch what happens and then write it down. This is important because he's talking about giving your characters the freedom to be themselves, the freedom to work themselves out of the trouble that you're putting them in. The characters should be autonomous. They should be their own people. They shouldn't be extensions of you. They should respond to problems in ways that you wouldn't, which opens them up to a world of possibilities and a universe of ways of screwing up and then finding their way again which makes them interesting and relatable and real. If you can let go the way King is describing and let the characters make their own way, it'll be far more interesting. One of the truly great books about writing is Samuel Delaney's On Writing, which is filled with gems, including this about how to approach the piece. At some point, when the story is still only an idea, an image, a topic, ask yourself, What's the most usual, most traditional, most cliche way to handle that particular material? Ask yourself, what are the traps that time and again other writers have fallen into when handling the same matters that have made their work trite or ugly or dull? Can you think of any way to avoid those traps? Amen! I see so many writers telling me a story or unpacking an idea in a very common, trite way as if they're copying what other writers have done. I don't need you to try to reinvent the wheel, but think about bad, lazy writing. Think about writing you don't like and think about the common ways people have approached writing problems and make sure you approach your work differently. Approach the subject thoughtfully. The way you write about it is everything. Continuing with structure and how you approach the work, one of my favorite professors from Columbia, Stephen Koch, wrote a great book called The Modern Library Writer's Workshop in which he says, when you're revising the work, when you're editing, revise for structure first. Before you line edit, make sure the structure is tight. Koch says, redrafting should begin by answering the problem of sequence, always. So should every revision, no matter how minor. Structure determines not only the large shape of the story, it also determines every section, every paragraph, for that matter, the smallest turns in the cadence of every sentence. There's an implicit sequence in everything you do. You must find that sequence. Oh, yeah, man, you got to tell the story in the right way and in the correct order. One of the reasons why I love comedy and listen to comedians a lot is that they think a lot about the precise order of the words and how finding the right order is everything. So don't line edit until you're certain that all the pieces are in the right place and your story is unfolding in the proper way. Of course, when you get down to line editing, 
Never forget the cardinal rule from the book known as Strunk and White that's officially called Elements of Style, an extremely important book for writers. After I read it, in my early 20s, I immediately got a lot better as a writer because so many of the elemental decisions about grammar and basic style were made for me by this book so I could immediately focus on a much higher level of decision making. Anyway, the phrase that stuck out to me from that hallowed book is the phrase that many will always associate with that book. Omit needless words. When you edit, try seeing if there's a word that you can take out without changing the meaning of the sentence. If you can, then definitely cut it out. It's extraneous. The reader can feel extraneous words. And it's distracting. Like doing too much in any field is distracting. The cake that has too much frosting on it. The jacket that has too many buttons. It's distracting. It's extraneous. Omit needless words. One great tip from Annie Dillard's great book, The Writing Life, because sometimes I have a great idea and I wonder if I should use it or save it for later. Maybe stockpile some great ideas and put them together someplace else in the book or something else, another piece of writing. And I always come back to this guiding notion that Dillard's talking about. I'm a writer. I'm a creative person, which means I know how to create. New ideas pour out of me. So don't hold it in. Don't hold anything in. Use it. Let it go. Dillard says this at the conclusion of her book. One of the few things I know about writing is this, she says. Spend it all. Shoot it. Play it. Lose it all. Right away. Every time. Do not hoard what seems good for a later place in the book or another book. Give it. Give it all. Give it now. The impulse to save something good for a better place later is the signal to spend it now. Some more will arise for later. Something better. Yes. Go for it. Leave it all on this page. Don't hoard. Use it now. But one way of dealing with that is to write the end first or early in the process and then spend the rest of your time building up to that ending, making the bridge to that ending. In the book I'm working on now, I wrote the first chapter and then I wrote the last chapter. That gave me a strong basis on which to stand. It helped me see, okay, the middle needs to move this way or that so that I can reach up to the ending that I've already created rather than writing up to it. And then now I have to come up with the fireworks that earn the ending I built up to. It's so liberating to know the ending and have that hard part already down and let the rest of the writing work its way up to that. Start with the ending. Okay, that's the end of this compilation of tips from a wide array of great books. If you want more help from me on your road to writing a great book, if you want me to be that tough but loving reader that every book needs and give you tons of notes that'll help you become a better writer and write a better book, then email me at bookcoach at torre.com or go to my site, torrebookcoach.com, and we can talk. That's it for this episode of Free MFA. Please leave a review and tell the writers in your life about the show. And don't miss my other podcast, Torre Show, where I interview people about success and democracy-ish, where Danielle Moody Mills and I talk our way through the 2020 election, which will surely be insane. Thanks for listening to Free MFA. We'll be back next week with more because the world needs writers. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.